Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, a guy by the name of Rob Nags. Wait till you hear this guy perform. Chuck Davidson, president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, reacts to the state of the province address today from Premier Pallister. Kari England will be on the show today. She is the owner of Toad Hall Toys. Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes with the Golden Globe nominees. And Rosemary Herskovich. She is a consultant for CAA Travel. Where are Winnipeggers and Manitopans going to be traveling to this winter? Please rate the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and now the podcast. Man, this is uh, fantastic. I can't wait to hear Rob Nags perform live. The music you're listening to, inspired by his time in the Arctic, up in Churchill. He is a cellist and a composer. And Cam Poitras, you and I were sitting in the newsroom one day, and uh, Sam Thompson, our online writer, one of our online writers, says, hey, I got this real cool guy. And telling us about it, we said, well, hell yeah, let's get him in here. And uh, Rob is here. He's setting up his, I I didn't realize there was so much work. I just thought, you know, it's big, but I didn't think there was that much to it. But he's got to plug it in and, you know. And he was just telling me off air. Well, Rob's ready to chat for a second here. Uh, You were just telling me off air that when you play here for us now, it is going to sound like, first of all, hello. G'day. How's it going? You're from Australia. We should tell people. (laughs) And uh, you're saying that when you play for us here, it's going to sound like 16 cellos playing at once. 16 some cellos. It could be more as well. So we'll see how long you can keep me on the air. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Well, before you do that, let's talk a little bit while I've got you here now. So that music is beautiful. Thank you. Um, You're going back to Australia. You've got your final show in Winnipeg coming up, and we'll give details on that so people can check you out. We'll do that in a second. Um, you're going to go back to Australia, do some festivals, then you're going to come back and do some festivals. How has your time here been? That's the plan. Well, my time here has been awesome. I can't just give this up that easy. You can't get rid of me that easy at all. Uh, Churchill is a fantastic place to live, and I've been spending a lot of my time here in Manitoba. It's an awesome province, and you're all very lucky to live here. How did you decide that you wanted to spend time in Churchill? What made you decide on that part of the world? Well, my family's been very sort of passionate about polar bears since I was very young. Yeah. So this idea of going to see polar bears and Arctic wildlife in real life would be incredible. So when I was couch surfing around from Europe to Scandinavia to North America, I got a message from my high school English teacher who put me in touch with a lady up in Churchill saying, hey, you should go work there. And, you know, the rest is history now. And so what have you been doing in Churchill other than your music? So music-wise, I've been going out and playing in a Zodiac boat where I've been able to communicate with beluga whales. In the Zodiac boat? In the Zodiac. So I've got the cello and I've got an amplifier and then I'm playing. And these belugas came up to the boat and then we dropped a hydrophone in to listen to what the belugas were doing. So I was playing in response. Are you serious? It's incredible. It's such an amazing experience. And it's why I want to be able to come back. I'm currently talking to a researcher from New York City who is doing a PhD on zoo musicology, which is the study of music and nature and how they interact together. So she wants to come up next year, and hopefully we can arrange something where she'll be able to you know, document what's actually happening between the beluga whales and the music. And so other than being super cool <laughs> that you're playing with beluga whales, essentially. Oh, shucks. <laughs> um, what, uh, 
wh- like, what does it mean? Do they understand you? Like, well, what's the communication Well, like? that's what we're wanting to find out as well. So there's a researcher from Vancouver called Valeria Vergara who studies the vocalizations of beluga whales. Yeah. And she's in the process of pretty much transcribing beluga vocalizations so she can say if the beluga's like my music or not. You're so, kidding. Yeah. Wow. So she's doing a massive study all the way up in Nunavut and in the Hudson Bay and then even in the St. Lawrence in Quebec. So, yeah, she, she, look her up. She's awesome. That would be fantastic yeah. if you were able to come back and work with somebody like that and sort of mix science and art in a sense. Oh, eh? it's awesome. I'd, I'd love to be part of that. So fingers crossed Canada lets me back in, hey? We'll let you yeah. back in. Thank you. You're a pretty it. cool. You're a pretty cool. <laughs> they have rules, but, you know, we can't let cool guys like you uh, not come back. I'm trying, so we'll see. Um, Rob, let's talk a little bit about your farewell performance, although you fully intend on being back here in Winnipeg soon. Can I just get you here for a sec, Rob? Yeah, get it. Um, if this doesn't work, it doesn't work. No big deal at all. Your music is beautiful. I think this is the coolest thing ever. You were just telling me during the break, while we were scrambling, that you go home and you tell all your friends, forget the Rockies, forget uh, the other parts of Canada, this yeah. is it. Canada in itself is very beautiful, but Manitoba's just taken my heart, honestly. Going up to Churchill and seeing polar bears and yeah. being welcomed into this community, yeah. it's insane. It's where, great. Where is your farewell, uh, farewell performance? When is it? So it is this Saturday at the Handsome Daughter on Sherbrooke Street, great I believe. Little, 61 to Sherbrooke. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's an awesome place. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few bands there. More notably, I saw a Slayer cover band there, of all, wow. of all things. You know, that was yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I am performing two shows with a band called Two Crows for Comfort. They're a folk duo from Stonewall, Manitoba. Cool. Incredible. Incredible harmonies, incredible songwriting. And yeah, so it'll be my final two shows. It was only meant to be one, but we sold out the first show so quickly we decided to do a second one that is fantastic it's cool it's very cool so i thank manitoba and winnipeg for that so what have you got set up here you've got a little mixer essentially and what does this do with the music you're about to play in your cello okay so what i've got set up here is a couple of different pedals ultimately i have a looping station so what i'll do is i'll play a passage live and then i'll start to harmonize and counterpoint that certain passage and build it into a composition Okay, you got to do it. Let's do it. Can All we right. give it a try? Yeah, live sure. on the radio, live on the radio. Never been done on radio before. Well, maybe on FM, but never <laughs> on AM radio. This has never been done before. This is Rob Nags. He's going back to Australia very soon. He has been performing in Churchill and area with Beluga Whales, and you're about to hear him here this afternoon on CJOB. Now, first of all, that is the coolest cello I have ever seen. There's nothing to it. I, I couldn't afford the other half, so they sold me this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good line. I'm sure you use that many times. Not really. <laughs> this is Rob Nags. He's a cellist and a composer from Australia. He loves Manitoba and Churchill. He plays with beluga whales. Take a listen.
<laughs> that is fantastic. Oh, we should have been videotaping this. That is the coolest thing you made all that out of you and a cello. Thank you. Boy, that is fantastic, man. Go and check out his show. Tell us again the details. At the Handsome Dota on Saturday, December 8th, this coming Saturday. Uh, show at 7 p.m. Yep. if you have tickets. And a second show at 10 p.m. with two crows for comfort. Excellent. Man, really nice to meet you, Rob. Thanks a lot for doing this today. Now, Carrie England joins us. She is the owner of Toad Hall Toys. Hello, Carrie. Hi, just so you know, it's pronounced Kari. Kari. Thank you, Kari. Appreciate <laughs> that. I apologize. I should know no. that because we talked last year. We did indeed. Yes, we did. I should know that. I should have remembered. I apologize. <laughs> okay, year. I wanted to. I saw a story the other day, and it made me think of you. Uh, they okay. did a new report. Researchers at New York University's, uh, uh, can't even pronounce the name of it, but anyhow, these are, you know, experts. They say that, well, high-tech toys, obvious, I mean, let's face it, toddlers can operate iPads better than, you know, you and I can, right? But these experts say the best toys that parents can buy for their kids are the simpler hands-on toys. And I thought of you because in a large way, you're about that down at uh, Total Toys, aren't you? That's absolutely correct, yes. Yeah, so tell us uh, what are some of the more popular toys that are purchased there every year. Uh, board games, puzzles, blocks. Um, and that's not to say that that's all that's here, but um, that people tend to be looking for things where kids are learning through actual hands-on experience, um, things that require interaction, um, because learning to take turns and, and, and learning how to work with somebody or play cooperatively with somebody is something really important to learn, and that is really not part of what screen time is all about. And are you seeing more people walking through your door every year there at Toad Hall when Christmas gets close? Because I think, you know, that line, what's old is new again, really is the case. I think more and more people now are trying to get back to the basics when it comes to toys, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're they're, they're finally starting to realize that... um, because there's been so much screen time allowed and 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 just electronic interaction, um, kids are are missing some components of of just basic learning. Um, as I said, through interaction, through um, a, a feeling of accomplishment that's not um, computer driven, applauding for you. You know, this is like a self satisfaction piece. Yeah. Uh, that kids don't get when it's just a computer cheering for them. Mm-hmm. And do you see that in numbers through the door there? Are you actually seeing more people? Like, are you seeing growth in your business without getting too personal about your business? <laughs> you know what? We're, we're certainly not suffering by any means. Um, there are lots of factors that go into how many feet walk through the door that aren't necessarily about, you know, going back to, to basics. Right. Um, but we, we certainly have a, a big cadre of fans that, that come back to us year after year because they know what we're suggesting for them is not a fad. It's not something that will is, is like the, the one-hour toy um, because then it either breaks or there's no more interest in it. Uh, these are things that will be enjoyed by a, a large portion of their family and, and, and provide a really fun sense of enjoyment, learning about the world. Uh, it, it's, it's just a different thing that they're after when they come and see us. Yeah. Are there any, uh, obviously you've got 
uh, new toys there, but are there any toys, are there people making toys now uh, that are very popular, but maybe more basic? Like, uh, is there a toy this year on your shelf that's getting a lot of attention that we might find interesting? Um, You know what? This is one of those years where there isn't that toy that everybody's asking for. Um, What we are seeing are lots of families looking for, for games that they can play as a, as a larger group and something that is a perennial favorite and it's still very high on our list is uh, Crokinole, uh, mm. which is really a very popular Manitoba game. Absolutely. Kari, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it and Merry Christmas. To you as well. Thank you very much. Write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just, I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Well, because, like, almost every single person that I've come in contact with in the music industry has told me that my nose is too big and that I won't make it. Your nose is beautiful. That, of course, is a clip from the Golden Globe-nominated movie, A Star is Born, starring Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. That would definitely be on my list, Coach Potato Jeff Braun. Absolutely, mine yeah. too. And I, I, I got to think that it's the front runner to win. I think so. It seems, it's such a classic awards type movie yeah well let's take a look at the others black panther great movie i don't think it ranks up there with a star is born just my opinion a lot of people will be glad that it got nominated yeah and good movie black klansman this was your pick for the best of the year because i had a list well it was just yesterday we were talking about the afi the american film institute said that is its movie of the year and you agreed i do agree i I think it was it was it's a lot of it's entertaining uh, but it's still very serious, yeah. and it has a message and all that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't sacrifice the entertainment for it, and that's a very hard thing to do, and Spike Lee has done something amazing there. Also in the running for a globe, these are the dramas, of course. Bohemian Rhapsody, great movie, loved it. Haven't seen it. I would still say A Star is Born beats it. And then uh, one more, If Beale Street Could Talk, which you said yesterday is not even out yet. I don't think it's out yet. It's okay. from the, the the guy that directed Moonlight a couple of years ago. His name is Barry oh. Jenkins, and yeah. he's, people love him. So his movie. So, do you want to go into the animated and foreign film? I don't want to no. do that. No, except that Roma is nominated in foreign film uh, from Alfonso Cuaron. He made Gravity a few years ago, and that's going to be on Netflix in a couple of weeks. Yes, it started in theaters, then it's going to be yeah. on Netflix. And actually, New York film critics picked that as their movie yeah. of the year. I think just last week. So I got to watch that one. The trailer. I'm not sure what to make of the trailer. There's very little talking, a lot of music and great imagery. Because it's in Spanish and we'll have subtitles and they don't like to advertise that in trailers. There you go. All right, on to actress. Uh, Who do you like in the list of actresses? Lady Gaga, by the way, for A Star is Born, nominated there. Yeah, uh, Glenn Close for The Wife, Nicole Kidman uh, for something called Destroyer. I haven't heard of some of these movies. Mm -hmm. Melissa McCarthy uh, with the movie Can You Ever Forgive Me? I think that's just out. And Rosamund Pike, who's always good in A Private War. But again, I think... I think the people like Lady Gaga, I think that it's hers to lose. Yeah. If there was one thing I didn't like about A Star is Born, I thought at times her. her lack of acting chops yeah. showed through. I mean, the singing was amazing, and she did a great job for her first big film. Yeah. But um, I think she's got the heat to win it, though. You probably. Know I mean? yeah. The heat to win it. I like yeah. that. Yes. Let's get a T-shirt <laughs> that says that. Uh, actor. You want it to Bradley Cooper, Star is Born, is in there. Yeah. Willem Dafoe. As uh, Vincent Van Gogh in a movie called At Eternity's Gate that hasn't opened yet, but everybody's getting rave reviews about that performance. Remy Malik, Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought he was great. 
and uh, John David Washington for Black Klansman. That's uh, Denzel's son, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a couple moments in that movie where it's like, oh yeah, uh, he walks like Denzel yep. walks. Or you noticed something it. Like. But most of the time you don't. He seems like he's he'll you know get out of his father's shadow at mm-hmm. some point. Here. Yeah. All right, TV. Uh, drama nominees, Golden Globes, The Americans, there you go, there's your show yeah. again, Jeff. Bodyguard, Homecoming, Killing Eve, and uh, Pose. Bodyguard, I just finished that on Netflix. Yeah. It is a British series, and my wife mentioned it, and I thought, well, let's try it. And it hooks you in that first episode and does not let go. It is fantastic. Is Kevin Costner in it? No, it's British. <laughs> it's I, there's a different nobody, bodyguard? There's nobody in it. Yeah, all right, okay, yeah. There's nobody in it that I know, but it was a great uh, uh, pick on Netflix. Cool. And yeah. uh, Killing Eve, a lot of critics have picked that as their best show. That's the one that stars Sandra Oh, who's also... Co-hosting I the Golden Globes. Why, I wondered why she was hosting yeah. with Andy Samberg, and that's why. Yeah, and then these other shows, Homecoming and Pose, couldn't tell you. There's 500 TV shows right All now, right. and these are five of them. So, Comedy, Barry, The Good Place, Kidding, The Kaminsky Method, and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Good Place, I think, is probably the best show on TV right My now. My wife loves that show. I love that show, too. I can't get into it, but she really <laughs> does love it. And this Kaminsky Method, I want to give that one a shot. That's also on Netflix. That stars uh, Michael Douglas is in it. it's, apparently, it's very good. And any of the actress or actor nominees uh, worth mentioning? It's, you know, names that you would know, and then others that, uh, well, Candace Bergen from Murphy Brown is in there. Wow. That's, did you watch any of that Murphy Brown? No. It's not been good. Deborah Messing, Will and Grace. Uh, what about the actors? Oh, oh Jim, Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim Carrey. That's nice to see that guy doing something again. <laughs> Donald Glover <laughs> for Atlanta. Bill Hader. For Barry. He won the Emmy. Yeah. And Michael Douglas is in there, too. So and Sasha Baron Cohen for that uh, show of his that's real controversial, Who is America? Yeah. Where he pulls pranks on the politicians and I stuff. I wish he would just make another Borat movie. I guess really? he can't, because everyone... I don't think so. I, I just... don't think you mess with... And I didn't really enjoy that movie, oh, really? but people that love it say that is perfection, and yeah. I don't think you mess with it. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Now, uh, that's the Golden Globes. Well, I've got you here. What do you think of this? I saw this story. New study. Researchers in Italy have decided that the most influential movie of all time, imagine, of all time is 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Not a film that I would have necessarily picked. No. You think Citizen Kane or Casablanca? There's others for sure before that, for me anyhow. Star Wars is on the list of others that uh, were considered. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 thriller Psycho, King Kong 1933 version. Jaws is Jaws on that list? Uh, Any no, but see, that's a really good example yeah. of a movie that I would think was very influential. 2001: A Space Odyssey, Citizen Kane, which you mentioned, Casablanca, Snow White, and the Seven Dwarfs. That was a big deal in animation back in the day. I guess. Yeah. I guess uh, Wizard of Oz must have just blown everyone's mind in 1939, yeah, right? I suppose. But, I mean, for a movie that's so influential, have you even watched it through once? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've, you have? I've seen it okay. a few times. When we were, uh, like, it used to play on TV yeah, around yeah, Christmas yeah. when we were kids, right? I, that's so what I think. Uh, that's yeah. exactly what I'm getting at. I, I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces of it, but uh, but not the whole thing. Oh, and the other goodness. one on the list I'll just mention quickly, I think this is the only one I missed, 1931's Frankenstein, also a very oh. influential movie. That makes sense. I guess all those old classic movies are like that, eh? I suppose. Anyhow, Golden Globes, when are they coming up? January 6th, one month from today. Andy Samberg and Sandra Oh will host on NBC. 
Jeff Braun, thank you. You bet. Between 2.30 and 3, so where is she? Oh, there she is. Carolyn Klassen <laughs> is here from Conexus Counseling. How are you? Hey, how? You look very nice today in a poncho. Is it a poncho or kind, kind of, of a, a cape shawl thing? thing? Very yeah. nice. I yeah. like that. It's cold outside. It is cold. A baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> That's a loaded line these days. <laughs> oh, my God. We were talking earlier. Well, we've been talking about this, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Maybe that's a good place to start because it's one of those things where it doesn't bother me. I know it bothers some people. Some people have been very vocal about it bothering them because radio stations, including ours up the hall here, has pulled the song off the air. Okay. What does Carolyn Klassen think of this? The line for me would not be drawn there. I think there's... You can draw the line in a lot of places. It's so subjective. I do understand the concern, but I just, for me, the line's not at that song. Well, I love that this line is creating controversy because what happens to the song is way less important to me than the fact that we're having this conversation about how do men and women talk to each other? Is she being coerced? Isn't she? Is she being repressed repressed by the times when that song was written? And he is just doing, trying to give her permission to do what she wants to do in a culture that doesn't let her do what she wants to do. I think these are awesome discussions to have and conversations to to go back and forth on. And so whatever happens to the song is way less important than the fact that we are talking about women and respect and women's right to make a decision and women's uh, men's need to not coerce women, all of that stuff. That's awesome that we're having this conversation. Yeah. It shines a bright light on an issue that doesn't get discussed enough, right? Absolutely. Like, And we'll use whatever vehicle it takes to have important discussions about respect and coercion, about um, having people feel safe, um, not talking people into anything, recognizing that the times, that the time when that song was written, th- those lines mean something very different back then than what right. they mean now. Uh, and fortunately, we are not there anymore, um, but we're still not all the way there yet. And the, and the offense to that song highlights that. So I just love that we're having a conversation about it. Yeah, I will agree with you on that. Even though maybe we don't agree on whether the song should be banned or not, I don't, I'm not sure from what you just said where you stand on that. But as you point out, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we're talking about it, right? That we're we're making it an issue and it's getting our attention. Well, and it's one of those things where on the surface I have one opinion. When I dig a deeper, I have a little bit of an opinion. When I dig yeah. really deep, my opinion changes yet again because mm. it's understanding the cultural context um, and just thinking really deeply about it. And so I, I think the fact that it's a little messy and people have such strong opinions yeah. means that it will remain a topic of discussion. And when we're talking, t- especially on today, when we're talking about respect towards women, woohoo, that we're actually talking about it. Yes, that was the word I was going to use because I do respect the fact that some people have a problem with the song. Okay, yes. I absolutely do respect mm-hmm. that. And I understand where they're coming from, for sure. That's the beauty of the knob on the radio. I'm not going to listen to that. And that's why stations abandon, right? They Mm -hmm. go, we don't want to lose potential listeners. So that's why they do it. But you mentioned what it is today. Very important. Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is a day when we remember what happened in Quebec all those years ago, recognizing that women were murdered because of their gender um, and using that as a hook or as the, the, the pinnacle of the fact that there is way more violence towards women in this day and age, it hasn't gone away. We need to be talking about it and we need to be respectful towards the fact that it's happening, acknowledge the impact of it on all those women that are harmed, and then figure out what we need to do to take action to reduce those stats. And any thoughts on 
action that needs to be taken or is that your department? Is that your area of expertise? (laughs) Maybe it's not. I don't know. Well, I think the conversation about respect and coercion, about figuring out how to empower women, how to recognize misogyny at very subtle levels, how to raise our boys so that they are respectful um, towards not only women, but towards that which is often recognized as female qualities within themselves, um, as men are able and um, acknowledge and able to to be aware of that which is quote-unquote feminine in their lives, that, you know, crying when a sad movie or feeling tender towards something and to not have that shamed out of them, even that is one way that we can take action towards, towards being respectful towards women. And I think we need to, so often even in my office when I'll ask women, um, why is it, what, how, how is it that it felt uncomfortable inside of you and yet you didn't say anything to him? They'll look at me like, well, of course I didn't say anything to him. And then when we lean into it a bit, there's so often there's this internalized misogyny that women have where we've just been taught to silence ourselves and we've, we're not supposed to let things bother us. We're not supposed to name it. And this is a day where we can look at all levels of of bullying and um emotional, just re- even really subtle stuff. And as we are able to name it and talk about it, I think this world can be a, become a better place. Yeah. We hear that, or I hear a lot when we talk about issues like this, I'll hear from listeners by text or email or even on the phone sometimes, they'll say, well, why didn't she say anything, right? What you just kind of said. And I understand, I get it. I, I, I completely understand why a woman might keep a horrible incident quiet to herself for many years, and then at some point in her life, feel like she can speak about it. I get that. I I don't have any problem with that at all. And I know a lot of people do, a lot of men do. Women, we're socialized to be nice and quiet, right? And when you say that was uncomfortable or don't talk to me that way or that just the way you touch me right now, I don't like that. That makes the situation very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and what are the ramifications going to be? What will I still have my job if I say that? I mean, you know, yes, there are many reasons, there can right? Be, there can be subtle and not so subtle negative impacts of that. And so often it's just easier to let it go, but that then gives us a culture of permission, of, of sort of silent permission. Yeah. That is not okay. And so we need to figure out how to name this and not, not only have women be able to speak up against it, but to have men say to men, what you just did there, that's not okay. Yeah. Um, and as men are able to be allies, I, I think we can turn this around. And I th- and I think it's a sign that we ha- are, we are turning this around. It's not the way, same that as it was. Um, and so I think there's good things happening and we just have to build on them. Yeah. Jeff Courier's final word. I wish now I had uh, pulled it and was able to play it back to you because uh, at the end of Jeff's show every day, he has the final word. And Jeff's final word today was about Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women. And his last line, or one of his last lines, because I was sitting right where you are when he said it, was, guys, it's up to us. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, there's We all we ha- all have a part to play, and I think there's sometimes it comes much more powerfully from a man to another man than when the woman is speaking up against it, right? And so men have a powerful ability to speak up and to recognize that respect towards women. It needs to be a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say about this? Because we have to take a break, but I want to give you time because this is a, I mean, listen, we're scratching the surface here. This is such a huge issue and it's an important day. And I want to make sure we take time on this and, and get everything out there that you wanted to get out there. The one other thing that I think it's important to recognize is that 
I am recognizing that as a white middle-class woman, it's much easier for me to speak up against this um, and that it's often people that have less resources available to them, people who are of lower socioeconomic class, they are more at risk and they have less resources to be able to get the help and to be able to be believed. Um, we know that Indigenous populations, um, Indigenous women are seven times more likely to be murdered than Caucasian women, yep. that's not okay, right? We need we we have to recognize that so often violence towards women also has layers in terms of um, transgender, um, uh, lesbian, um, different cultures. Um, after 9-11, um, misogyny towards Islamic women who were wearing hijab increased. Yep. But those women often have less of a voice and um, their risk is higher uh, because there's sort of multiple layers that um, make life less safe for them. Very well said. Carolyn Klassen is with us from Conexus Counseling. We're going to take a break. Coming up on 242, when we come back, we're going to talk about emotional labor and SAD. It is Seasonal Depression Awareness Month. That's on the way, Hal, on CJOB. Thursday afternoon, Carolyn Klassen is here. We have to interrupt Carolyn Klassen's appearance here on the show. A very special guest, Carolyn. You're getting bumped by one of the best here, eh? Oh, absolutely. I'm delighted. Dancing Gabe is here. Dancing Gabe, how are you, sir? How are you doing, Hal? I am excellent. I know it's Christmas. I was just saying on the air I got my Christmas card from the premiere, and now I've got my Christmas card from Dancing Gabe. Every year, man, you are the best. Thanks, Hal. How many cards do you send out? Because you send them out to everybody in the media. Yeah. Who else? Who else? All the players? Uh, uh, the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, the... Jets. Yeah. Who's your favorite person on the radio? Say me. Say me. Hal Emerson. Thank you very much, Gabe. <laughs> Great job. Excellent. Well, man, I'm telling you, you are obviously an icon, a legend, and I really do appreciate your Christmas card. Oh, you're, thanks, you're great, Al. You're a great guy. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Appreciate it. There he goes. Dancing Gabe. I had to get him on the air for a second. He really, Carolyn, he really is just a phenomenal guy. See you, Gabe. Oh, he yeah. wants a high five, Carolyn. Come on, Carolyn. Get with it here. <laughs> See you, Gabe. Thanks, Later, buddy. Your, Talk to you soon. Okay. Out of your wife, eh? <laughs> <laughs> out of your wife. Oh, well. I better check on my wife how she knows dancing, Gabe. <laughs> it's kind of a delight for me to shake his hand. You were. Because I... I know. I know, right? Like, everybody knows dancing, Gabe. And I remember going to Jets games with my dad when yeah. I was in university or high school, yeah. Jets 1.0, watching him dance yeah. then, right? Like, he is a part of the city and part of, I think, what makes... Our city, a bit of a kinder, gentler place. Agreed. Yeah. I was just saying to him off air before we went on, I said, man, you bus and walk everywhere. And he goes, yup. Because every time I see Gabe, he's on the street walking to a bus stop or he's at the bus stop waiting for a bus. The guy. He, and he said he's totally used to being honked at all the time, right? Because yeah, because I said I would honk at you, but I'm not sure you knew it was me. And he goes, oh, everybody honks at me. I, I've definitely honked at him more than once. Yeah. No, absolutely. no kidding. Absolutely. Well, it's Dancing Gabe, right? It's Dancing Gabe. Wow. Very cool. All right. I'm going to open that card later. Carolyn, uh, back to what we're talking about here. I wanted to talk about a blog post that you put up on the Conexus Counseling Facebook page. Mm -hmm. It's about, and I hadn't heard the term before, emotional labor. Tell us about it. It's a term that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Um, but once we start talking about it, people go immediately, oh, go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. And other people will go, I don't really think it's such a big deal. But let me start by maybe asking you a few questions that have to do with emotional labor. This All is right. a bit of a it's quiz. It's not a test, is it? Oh, it's well, a quiz. Well, a little bit. It's a quiz between Gosh, you and Jackie. terrible at pop quizzes. So between you and Jackie, who is more likely to know how much milk is in your fridge right now? Oh, Jackie, for sure. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and who knows when it's, you know, the couple that you're pretty close to, who knows mm. when it's time to invite them over and says we should have them over next Friday night and close them. I have a feeling I'm failing this test, Jackie. Okay. And uh, after your last disagreement as a couple, the first person who approached the other to say, let's figure this out. We're both pretty good at that, but I'll again say probably Jackie. Okay. And who would be the one who is more likely to research issues if your dogs are struggling with something? Who's the one that's going to figure out how to address the problem? I think we're, again, we're both pretty good at that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say me. I'm better at research. Like if something's going on, I'll go and try and get it. I'm a guy. I want to fix it, right? Okay. Uh, And whose job is it to ensure that the laundry is caught up and done? And I'm not talking about who does it, but who's the one that's on top of making sure? Jackie. Okay. And who's the one... Am I getting a divorce, that Carolyn? Will, That's what I want to know. <laughs> who's the one that sends that gets the condolence card and makes sure it's signed and put in the mail when it needs to be sent? Probably Jackie. Okay. Have I made my point? Is this, is this emotional labor? This is all... These are all aspects of emotional labor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about physical labor. There's your household tasks. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the doing of them. It's yeah. the the all the calculation that's required. Worrying to, about it, dealing with it, right? Um, and no, and staying on top of it all, and knowing that it should happen, mm-hmm. and making sure that it gets done. Yeah. And when you have kids, it's like, so who's struggling? What do they need? How should I dress it? Mm-hmm. Um, who looks after the family calendar to make sure when there's multiple events on a night, how you're going to yeah. juggle and balance all of that? Right. That, that historically, emotional labor has fallen to women in the household. Yeah. And men didn't even know that they weren't doing it because one of the aspects of emotional labor is to do it and not say anything about it. Mm-hmm. One of the tasks of the person who does more of the emotional labor is to do it and to not, not make a big deal of it because that yeah. in itself is part of the emotional labor. That is a good quiz. Is that part of the post? Absolutely. I have not checked out the post. So that is a good quiz yes. to yeah. try at home. You click right? on the quiz. And so, and there's two columns, like, is it you or your spouse? And my yeah. husband and I, after I did it, he's like, he printed off two copies and he's <laughs> like, okay, Carolyn, let's sit down. And we each filled it out. And uh, one of the reasons why I noticed, why I started blogging about it was because um, my husband went away for a week and a half. He volunteered in Texas building a house. Yep. Um, and while he was gone, uh, the mail wasn't getting brought in mm-hmm. because I was coming in the back of the house. He comes in the front and he looks after the mail, yeah. right? And we were running. But that was going to be, my, so I, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but that was going to be my point because I'll say, okay, there's that list. But then I probably could come up with a list where I could be responsible right. for a lot of that. Right. Right. And so often, and really it's it's just a, a, a it, the quiz is about making a discussion of what is it that you do that I'm not even aware that you right. do. And often, um, historically, because, you know, back when the men left the house to go work and the yep. woman stayed at home, it made sense for her to look after all of that. Mm-hmm. And then as women were getting jobs, that part didn't shift. Yeah. And so maybe 20 or 30 years ago, men used to say, well, I got to stay home and babysit the kids. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's not a cool thing to say. Yeah. Children, fathers don't babysit their kids. They live with their kids. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I'm trying to figure out how we can help shift language around, you know, I need a list so that I know what to do around the house rather than what is it that we are responsible for? What is it that I'm not noticing so that together we can share some of that stuff? 
um, when my husband was in Texas, um, my son said, so can you text the coach and tell him something? And I'm like, actually, I can't because yeah, I don't, have, I don't have the coach's text number right. uh, because that is my husband's department because mm-hmm. when he was a single dad looking after his son, after his wife died, yeah. he just picked that up. And then when we got married, we decided that was going to stay his department. Mm-hmm. Um, but so often people don't talk about that stuff. And so you don't realize all the departments one part yeah. of the couple is responsible for. Emotionally, that's a good little test because uh, it's there's a few things you get from that. You find out things the other person's doing that maybe you weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. You can also say, wow, you are doing a lot of this. Yeah. We got to even this up a bit, right? Yep. And uh, that's very cool. Yes, I think it's just a way to to acknowledge because what happens if one person is pulling the heavy load of the emotional labor and the other person isn't aware, it's not because they get up in the morning and say, how can I disrespect right. my spouse? Yeah. But when the person is doing the, you know, the lion's share of the work, they can develop resentment. It starts to feel that way. Yeah, and it feels like I'm doing all this and right. you're not... Uh, and I get that nobody's out to be upsetting to anybody, but relationships never do well when there's resentment. And so mm-hmm. if people can have that conversation and find ways of reducing the resentment by evening out the load or even by acknowledging how the load is disproportionate, yeah. that's cool. That's just huge. Yeah. And finally, we've got just a couple minutes. Perfect. Because I, I wanted to spend a couple minutes on the fact that December this <laughs> month is Seasonal Depression <sighs> Awareness Month. Also known as SAD, I guess, eh? Seasonal Affective Disorder. Affective Disorder, yeah. But the the month is Seasonal Depression Awareness. And certainly we see that when seasons change. Yes. Uh, We know that there's less sunlight. We know that um, it's colder outside. And so we know that exercise and being outdoors is really good for us. And it's really hard to do that these days when it's so crappy outside. And, And... um, probably the the biological part of the depression, seasonally related, it has to do very much with the amount of light that gets into our eyes every day. Yeah. Um, and f- a lot of us kind of notice things get harder in winter. We put on a few extra pounds in winter. Mm. Um, but there's some people that it reaches a clinical level and it's not just... It's kind of cute how hard this is. It actually gets to be painful and it reaches the clinical level. And then we call that seasonal affective disorder. And it is something that would be helped by going to a doctor or talking to a therapist and Mm -hmm. actually being proactive to figure out, I know that every winter it's hard and it's hard at a level where I'm pulling out of my life and I'm not showing up for the people who care about me and I'm not kind to myself. This is something I need to address. And sort of talking about it helps raise those people that are affected at a clinical level hopefully gives them permission to say, I'm not the only one. It's okay to talk yeah. about it. Carolyn, good show today. High five. <laughs> Dancing Gabe, high five. Good show today. Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they need to? We would love to connect with you if you'd like. Our number is 204-275-1045. And look us up on the web at connexuscounseling.ca. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.